The reading is taken from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Now there was a Pharisee, a, name, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Chia. That's amazing. Um, well, good morning. A few years ago, I had the privilege of taking part in the Three Peaks Challenge. I don't know if anyone's managed um, to do that here. And you basically climb the three highest mountains in England, Scotland, and Wales, all within 24 hours. Um, and the most dramatic, probably, of those climbs is Ben Nevis in Scotland. And I wanted to show you uh, the view that I saw when I got to the top. Here it is. <laughs> Zero visibility. There was no snow at the bottom. By the time we got to the top, it was completely whited out. Now, some people have cast out on the fact that we actually got to the top based on this photo, but I can assure you the peak was around there somewhere. Today, we're continuing our journey through John, and it's a journey of wild wonder. This next photo shows a clear view from the top of Ben Nevis, what I'd been hoping to see. And John's Gospel, a bit like this view, gives us a dramatic, poetic overview of the life and ministry of Jesus. It's full of signs and mystery and wonder. As you let that photo sink in, Picture John writing about the life of Jesus, exploring how the God of the universe stepped into his creation to offer you the gift of eternal life and how God's spirit blows through this landscape, bringing fresh life to all of creation. And so wherever you find yourself today, whether you've been a Christian your whole life or whether you've walked into church for the first time today, I believe there's more to your life than you're currently experiencing. There's greater freedom, greater fulfillment, greater purpose available to you today because God's spirit is alive and active and powerful and his desire is for you to experience the fullness of life that is found in Jesus. I wonder how easy you find it to have conversations with people that you don't know. The hairdressers is always an awkward one, isn't it? Because you can't move. Now, some people love that and you're chatting away. Other people, it's just something you have to endure to get the fresh trim. I can see a few smiles around the, around the room. Or what about when a stranger sits next to you on the train? You know, some people are like, yes, I've got a travel buddy. We're going to chat the whole way. Other people are like, you know, headphones in, book out, and a face that's like, do not talk to me. John reveals to us what Jesus is like through a series of conversations. 
And that starts with Nicodemus. But I'm also just struck by the variety of people that Jesus speaks to in these opening chapters of John. You know, Jesus has a profound conversation with Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee, the group that then are trying to have Jesus arrested. He has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. That was a double no-no for a Jewish man at the time. He has a conversation with a paralyzed man, someone on the edge of society with nothing to offer him. And yet Jesus never found conversation awkward. You know, I'm sure I could find a reason not to talk to each of those people, but no one is excluded from the gospel. God's spirit moves in each of those encounters to open those people's eyes to the wild wonder of eternal life in Jesus. And in the same way, Jesus knows what you need today. He knows how to speak to you. He doesn't find your current life situation awkward. Wherever you're at on your journey, whatever you're currently going through, good or bad, know that the risen and ascended Jesus hasn't lost any of his power. He hasn't lost any of his compassion, any of his love, any of his desire to meet with you. The same Jesus we read about is here today by his spirit. Amen. Now, this encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus is perhaps the most famous conversation in the whole Bible because it lands with the words of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But there's a whole lot more going on than just that line and it starts with Nicodemus coming to find Jesus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, so he comes looking for Jesus at night. He's clearly intrigued by the miracles Jesus has performed, but he doesn't want people to see him. And so verse two says, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. You can kind of see the cogs turning, can't you, in Nicodemus's mind. He's thinking, born again? He's thinking, well, I'm Jewish. You know, I pray. I know the scriptures. I even teach others. So he asks the obvious question, verse four. How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they can enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He's probably thinking, I'm going to have to call my mum. I'm not... I'm not sure how this is going to work. I once had to speak on this passage on Mother's Day, and for any of the mums there that day, I'm so, so sorry. But Jesus, the master of conversation, comes to the rescue, and he says, very true, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. You see, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Jesus is moving Nicodemus away from this idea of a literal physical birth and instead to the need for a spiritual rebirth. To enter God's kingdom, to receive eternal life, requires something happening in you that only God can do. You know, in other words, no amount of willpower or spiritual practices or church attendance will enable you to enter the kingdom of God. It requires a supernatural gift of God whereby you are spiritually reborn. As you put your trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus, God's spirit breathes new life into your spirit, empowering you to live a new life following him. Now, on this next picture, I wonder, can anybody tell me who this is? 
Oh, John, John's got it. This is Katie Bolter, the number one ranked tennis player um, in Great Britain. And if it wasn't for my knee injury, you know, we could have had a Bolter number one in the men's and the women's. <laughs> Sometimes you can think of Christianity a bit like tennis or another sport, where you can kind of progress up the rankings by effort and training. But the thing is, you can't get better at Christianity by trying harder. Something needs to happen in you first that only God can do. It's a gift of grace. And from that point, yes, we put in effort. Yes, we contend for God's kingdom. Yes, we pray passionately for our city to be renewed. But all from a place of having had God's spirit breathe those new desires, that new identity and that new purpose into us first. The Judaism that Nicodemus knew was about being born into the right family. You needed to be a descendant of Abraham. But here at this pivotal moment, Jesus reveals that God is actually starting a new family, a family born of the Spirit. And it is supposed to be a family that transcends race and gender and social status and family setup, because it's a family united by the Spirit. And for when that hasn't happened, and in fact the opposite has happened, as we saw in that video, we repent, because that's not God's heart. Father, would you forgive us? Having laid this foundation about being born again by God's Spirit, I want to quickly explore three things that happen when you are born again. And they are you're given a new identity, a new purpose, and new power. Number one, when you're born again, you are given a new identity. Many countries around the world have regular power cuts on a daily basis. You may have been there or visited countries where that happens. In England, it's more like once a year, maybe, and on a bad year. So what are the chances then of the famous power cut of July 2018 happening when I was on holiday, but my fish were at home being fed by an automatic fish feeder? The holiday vibes rapidly disappeared as we, re we returned home to the fishy graveyard in the kitchen. <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah. There's an extra detail to do with bleach, but I won't, I won't mention that. I won't mention that bit. There were two young fish swimming along one day, and they swam past an older fish swimming the other way, and the older fish nods to them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two fish, the younger fish, swim on for a bit and one turns to the other and says, what the heck is water? I don't know if you've discovered this yet, but one of the biggest battles of the Christian journey is in your own mind. You know, we can become so used to thinking the way that we do that we don't even realise the lies we may be believing, be believing about who God is and who we are. It just surrounds us like the air that we breathe. You know, for the first 30 years of my life, I believed that a strong feeling of anxiety and panic was how God told me off. It was a belief as normal to me as the water fish swim in or the air that we breathe. But when you're born again, God's spirit begins to work in you to enable you to see the truth, the true reality of who God is and who you are. God reveals your true identity in him. You know, when we read that Nicodemus came at night, it's more than just a detail about the time of day. This phrase, at night, is used in John's Gospel as a symbol of darkness, a symbol of not understanding, a symbol of being spiritually 
blind. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, come into the light. You need to have your eyes opened to this new reality. You know, before you do any of the stuff, you need to be born again. You need a new identity in Jesus. Earlier in John, we read, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, you may know I'm married to Jenny. I've got three amazing kids who I'm a dad to. Um, I'm a brother, I've got great parents. I'm a friend to at least two people still. <laughs> I, I have the privilege of being on the staff team here. You know, I like football, etc. But above all of those things, I'm a son. I'm God's child. And though those other things are crucial and I deeply care about each of them, my identity is a, as a son is the one thing that will never change. I'm a son, then a husband, then a dad, then a friend, then a church leader with the time I have left. Now, it's not always easy to remember that, and I certainly don't always get that right. But to live in the fullness of this new identity, you need to separate out what you do from who you are. If you were here last week, you'll have seen we gave an uncomfortably long round of applause to Emily, Edgar and Abiel as they began their new roles. Now we don't do that to embarrass them, or that's a welcome bonus. We do it to celebrate and affirm their worth as people before they do anything. When you become a Christian, when you're born again by the Spirit, you take on a new identity in Jesus. You're born into this whole new reality where Jesus is your King, God is your father, and you are a daughter or a son. The famous theologian John Calvin said this, he said, being born again is not the amendment of a part, but the renewal of a whole. Your whole being completely renewed. Now, of course, we know, don't we, from our own lives and the lives of others, that life is messy, life is complicated. And it takes months, if not years, if not your whole lifetime, for the truth of this statement to be fully worked out in our lives. But from day one of being born again, you are no longer a sinner, but a daughter or a son who sometimes sins. You know, sin may still be some of your activity, but it is no longer your identity. It may be some of what you do, but it is no longer who you are. And so maybe as I've been speaking, you know, some of those lies that you've believed about what God is like and what you are like are bubbling to the surface. Today, God is saying, you know, those thought patterns, those beliefs, that framework no longer need to surround you. They no longer need to be as normal to you as the air that you breathe. There is new identity, new freedom, new healing, new vision and purpose available to you today by the power of God's Spirit. Number one, new identity. Number two, new purpose. I wonder what it is that drives you. You know, what is it that got you out of bed this morning and here to church? As well as a new identity, God gives you a new purpose. Being born again means God's Spirit frees you from the need to look inward and try and build your own kingdom, to care about possessions and striving for more. And instead, you get given a purpose far greater. You get to join in with God's mission to the world, to play your part in the renewal of all things. 
Now, this isn't a new idea that first came in this conversation. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel writes this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Now that was written 600 years before Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. And that's why Jesus says to Nicodemus, you shouldn't be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. Now Nicodemus was surprised, but he shouldn't have been. It's right there in the scriptures which he studied and taught. Nicodemus, like the other Jews, had been waiting for a time in the future when God would give new spiritual life to his people. This spiritual rebirth that Jesus is offering is what they had been anticipating. And yet, it's not easy to see and accept something that's going to flip your whole present spiritual reality on its head and require you to change your whole perspective, even if it's right in front of you. Although it kind of ruins my my Mother's Day gag for the future, it's actually highly unlikely that an educated leader like Nicodemus actually really thought Jesus was talking about literally being born again a second time. What if instead Nicodemus' reply, how can someone be born when they are old, is in fact him saying to Jesus, do you expect me to have to relearn something that I've given my life to? You know, I'm a religious leader. You know, I've studied the scriptures my whole life. I know the story of Israel. Are you really saying we need to experience something new? But Jesus says, yes, something greater than that framework is here. And actually, we're not doing away with that story. But this spiritual rebirth in Jesus is the thing that fulfills and completes your understanding, Nicodemus. So come out of the dark and into the light and be born again. Receive this inner transformation. It's the only way to enter the kingdom. It's an inner transformation where your identity, purpose, and your desires are completely transformed. I don't know if you've ever found this where people now say to you, well, what did you do at the weekend? And you kind of say, well, I went to church twice. Um, I read a Christian book, and I was tucked up by nine watching The Chosen. And you think, what has happened to my life? But the truth is, I flippin' love it. Because when you're born again, you actually begin to long for the things that God longs for. It's not that you have to read the Bible, you want to read the Bible. You know, you don't have to pray, you want to pray. You don't have to be generous, you want to be. You don't have to serve, you want to. You'll even find you want to go camping in a field in Nottinghamshire with little sleep and even less showers because God has given you a new heart and new desires. Your new identity is expressed in new desires and new purpose for your life. So God takes your unique personality, your passions, your skills, your past experiences, good and bad, and reshapes them for his glory to build up the church, to bless the world. It's not that your desires are shredded and your personality just obliterated. It's that you discover who God really made you to be. You know, you see Emily leading worship and you think, yes, that is who she was made to be. You know, you see Juliet making a difference in her school and you think, yes, that is what she was made to do. You know, you see me preaching and you think, I wish Nathan Lee was still here. (laughs) (laughs) I never never actually heard him speak, but I'm I'm sure he was great. So what desire is God stirring in you? 
You know, what new purpose is he setting your face towards? What part is he asking you to play in his mission? What past experiences, good and bad, is God wanting to reshape and repurpose? You see, God is in the business of turning lives around. Your past doesn't disqualify you from the future that God has for you. God wants you to receive your new identity and then live out your new purpose. So final point. You might be thinking, I've got a new identity. I kind of want to do the new purpose thing. I just haven't got the energy for more stuff. And the good news is you don't have to. Because God gives you a new identity. He plants a new purpose in you. But he also gives you new power to live this new life. Verse 8, Jesus says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now the Greek word, which the New Testament was written in, the Greek word pneuma can be translated as wind, breath, or spirit. So if you read it again, the pneuma wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the pneuma spirit. And you can't see or control the wind, but it's powerful and you can see and experience its effects. You, know, you can't see the Holy Spirit or control him, but he's the powerful life force of God constantly at work, transforming your lives and the world. Without the Spirit, the words we read in the Bible are just words on a page. The songs we sing are just words on a screen, but the Spirit brings life to all of those things. Life in the Spirit is this journey of wild wonder. It's one of adventure and risk and trust and faith. You can't figure it all out, and you're not supposed to. God's design is for you not to lean on your own understanding, but on his empowering spirit. Corrie Ten Boom, who was a Dutch Christian who sheltered many Jewish people during World War II, she said this, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. And so if you've come to the end of yourself, you've come to the beginning of God. You know, last week I was so moved by Jeff, who was on the stage here sharing about running Prison Alpha with Emily and Chloe and the team, and he said, when I walk through those doors into prison, there is nothing in my toolkit that can equip me. But God, by his spirit, shows up every time. So God has not set you up to fail. He gives you a new identity, a new purpose, but he also gives you new power for the journey. And so as we come into land, take a moment to think, you know, where are you on this journey of life in the spirit? Maybe you've just realized you've never been born again. There's no better today, the day, sorry, there's no better day than today to begin this new life on offer. Or maybe those days of living by the Spirit's power seem a distant memory and you're just desperate to be refreshed. And finally, maybe you're alive in the Spirit but you want to see breakthrough in a particular area or situation and you just want more. The prayer is the same for each of those groups. It's come Holy Spirit.